there. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nicole and welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I am here with Lexi and we work side by side here at Integrative Wellness Group uh, providing functional medicine to various people all over the world. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about a hot topic in reference to the thyroid. Uh, We're definitely dealing with uh, an epidemic of thyroid issues, especially amongst women. And this is being diagnosed left and right, but a lot of times it's actually not being diagnosed properly and it's not being treated properly. And we're going to talk today specifically about autoimmune thyroid and some of its connections with iodine. Uh, And iodine is definitely known to be one of the most beneficial nutrients of the thyroid, but often being told, uh, patients are often often being told to avoid it. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that information and bust some of the myths around Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be great if you could start with the difference between Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. So for those of you listening not familiar, um, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune version of a low-functioning thyroid. So dealing with hypothyroid, which is a low-functioning thyroid, versus Hashimoto's is quite different in the mechanism of what's happening to the thyroid. So technically, when you have a, uh, a low-functioning thyroid, what you're going to see in your traditional thyroid panel is that the TSH is elevated, uh, which is called the thyroid-stimulating hormone, which actually comes from the brain to signal the thyroid to make thyroid hormone. The other thing that you might see is you might see the TSH is normal, but the T4, which is made by the thyroid, is actually low. So these are different things that can definitely start to really affect our energy levels, our metabolism. Um, In females especially, it can really cause a lot of hair loss, uh, brittle nails, um, and even uh, hormone, uh, I'm sorry, sex sex hormone changes. So we might find that we have worse PMS, we have more irregular periods. It all really ties together with uh, the sex hormones of the body as well. So does that mean that for hyperthyroid, that TSH would be low and T4 would be high? Exactly. So, and don't get me wrong, sometimes in certain individuals, they can yo-yo between hyper and hypothyroid. Um, It's really signifying that their entire endocrine system is under tremendous stress. Uh, A lot of people don't know this, but... Your thyroid is second in command to become compromised. Usually your adrenals will become compromised first. And your adrenals make adrenaline. So I know being from New Jersey, many of us run on adrenaline on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> but, um, but adrenaline is also pumped out when we're stressed. And I know that a lot of us are, are stressed. Some of us are even dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. If you are in that state or you find yourself to just be a worrier, you might be pumping out a lot more adrenaline than you realize. And over a period of time, your adrenals are going to burn out. 
And the secondary thing that's going to happen is your thyroid is going to become compromised. So if you're in that adrenaline overload, your thyroid might be high. And then as the burnout happens, then the thyroid drops. Got it. So when you say it could yo-yo, how often would you have to check your blood to see that difference? Uh, you, it could yo-yo literally week by week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, I've actually seen people that have had, at the same time, Hashimoto's and Graves' disease. So we haven't talked about that just yet. But uh, Hashimoto's is the autoimmune version of low-functioning thyroid. And then Graves' disease is the autoimmune version of a high, uh, a hyperactive thyroid. Okay. And it's really mind-blowing that that can be happening. But this person, their body is just completely in disarray and all over the place. But when we get to the origins of autoimmunity is we have to start thinking, why is the immune system attacking a part of our body? I feel like we get told by traditional medicine that it just happens and we don't really have an understanding why. Uh, but, you know, if it does happen, we're just going to provide this medication mm -hmm. in order to make sure that your thyroid is still making hormone. But we can't address hormones if we're not addressing the immune system issue. And that's really what we're going to talk about today with the iodine component. Yeah. So on that note, why the thyroid? Why is it attacking that area? Well, what's interesting is when we talk about the essential nutrients for the thyroid, yeah. we have selenium and we have iodine. These are absolutely necessary for the health of the thyroid. And that's why we actually have iodized salt because there were certain parts of the world that iodine wasn't very high in the soil. So they started putting it in the salt to make sure that the thyroid could be fully supported in the people that lived in those areas. Interesting. So now iodine, iodized salt is just everywhere and it's unnecessary for us to have that much iodine. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> uh, the thing with iodine is it's not really just about you need the iodine for your thyroid to make the appropriate amount of hormone. Mm -hmm. Iodine is actually a natural detoxifier of the thyroid. So this is where this really ties in, is if you are taking iodine or you're getting exposed to a lot of iodine through your food and then through the salt that you're using on your food mm -hmm. and your body becomes pretty abundant in the level of iodine, this is going to put your thyroid into actually a pretty significant detox mode. And once your thyroid goes into detox mode, if it's pushing out chemicals, compounds, which we will talk about where they're coming from, mm -hmm. uh, molds, etc., your immune system is going to come to the scene to really clean everything up and make it better. And that's where this autoimmune kicks in. So I think that's what's so confusing to people is that they're told not to have iodine if they have a hypothyroid problem or Hashimoto's. So should they be having it or should they not? Well, because what they're seeing is that if you're taking the iodine with Hashimoto's, your numbers are getting worse, your uh, antibodies. And we actually didn't say this, but we need to backtrack and just verify for those of you that are very new to this topic and might be dealing with a hypothyroid, um, first of all, many women that come to me, they are told they have a hypothyroid. And then when I do my testing, it actually turns out they have Hashimoto's. And because I'm testing not just the TSH, not just the T4, I'm also testing the antibodies. 
So when you have elevated TPO, thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and or you have elevated anti-thyroglobulin, that's how we know that you actually have Hashimoto's. So if those tests have not been run on you, they're absolutely necessary to know if you have Hashimoto's. So those are the numbers that you might see creeping up higher when you're taking iodine with Hashimoto's. So it's not that you're making the condition worse, it's that you're continuing to detox a toxic thyroid, but the body is having trouble eliminating the toxins. Got it. So definitely a little confusing. Why, why is the body having that trouble? Is there something else that's going on that's preventing it from eliminating the toxins or? Yes. Okay. And so with that, there's going to be trouble with the elimination of the toxins. But it's also, we're talking about these toxins and people are probably like, what are you, like, where are these coming from? Like, why would I have a toxic thyroid, et cetera? And this is coming from a couple of different things. So number one is we are very unaware of what goes into our mouths with dental work. And I have many friends who are dentists. I work with an amazing holistic dentist in our local area. And the things that I have learned from them is actually mind blowing. And they pretty much have stated that no matter what you use in dentistry, it's toxic. Everything from the fluoride that they use for your cleanings, from the silver fillings that we still continue to put in people's mouths, which are actually mercury based, in addition to the white fillings, which are now supposed to be the safer alternative Mm -hmm. that are actually uh, made of cadmium, which is another toxic heavy metal. So we have all of these different things that we're using in our mouths. And then we also have aspartame, which is an artificial sweetener, which is in most of our mouthwash and our toothpaste. So our glands of our mouth and our gums are absorbing all of this stuff. And where's it going? It's going into the surrounding lymph nodes of the mouth and then going into the neck. So it's being carried mainly by our lymph nodes and then it's going to start to affect our thyroids in a negative way. So now what if someone gets their fillings removed? It depends on if they get them removed properly. So many of my patients that come to me, they say, I used to have a ton of fillings, but I got them all removed. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, my next question is, is who removed them? a biological dentist or a traditional dentist? And they usually say a traditional dentist. So what that means is that they either cracked or dislodged the filling from the tooth, which means that it released a ridiculous amount of mercury vapor, very close proximity to your brain, in addition to affecting all of the glands and the lymph nodes that surround your head and neck. So. If you're someone who's like, oh, no, I got all those removed, I'm all good, you might not be because that vapor can get into the tissues and stay there. And mercury is not the easiest thing to get out of the body unless you're doing something very specific to get it out. And those are some of the things that we're going to talk about in a few minutes is, you know, how can we get this stuff out of the tissues? But it's really not even just the dental work. Mm -hmm. We're also dealing with um, things that can happen with the tonsils. So number one is people don't realize that the tonsils are a filter. 
So our tonsils become really big and enlarged, and sometimes we have to get them out because of that reason. Mm -hmm. But it's usually if we've had chronic strep throat, chronic sore throats, we had constant post-nasal drip because of sinus issues. And then eventually we have to get our tonsils out. So what we're doing is we're removing that filter. Mm -hmm. So now as we get exposed to things from the dental work, as we breathe different toxic compounds in, maybe we get exposed to mold because we lived in a moldy apartment, whatever the case may be, there's nothing blocking that from getting directly into the lymph nodes of the neck, which is then going to stress the thyroid. If you didn't get them removed, could it still be an issue if you're carrying... Yeah, if you, no matter what, the tonsils being a filter, they're going to have different things in them. Yeah. So the tonsils, most of the time, are a brewing ground for different types of bacteria, molds, mm-hmm. fungus, things like that. So a lot of people right now with this world that we're living in, uh, how toxic it is and how, how many toxins are in our food... Uh, we're dealing usually with some level of issues um, or toxicity in the lymph nodes of our head and neck. Are there any other root causes or is it mostly the dental, the tonsils, the lymph, like you mentioned? Sinuses. So I kind of said that with post-nasal trip, but sinuses are, it's all connected. So sinuses, mouth, tonsils, throat, all of that is connected. So if you're someone who suffered with chronic sinus issues, sinusitis, sinus infections, et cetera, then you potentially will have a lot of um, congested and compromised lymph nodes through the sinuses, through the head, and through the neck as well. So these are some of the major things that I find in the history that I take when somebody has a thyroid issue, Mm -hmm. especially an autoimmune thyroid issue. So let's say we actually didn't even talk about this, but let's let's throw this in the mix as well. <laughs> is um, emotions? Yes, yes. So one last thing that I think is really really significant, and this is a little bit off topic from the iodine, but I think it's important for people to know, especially if you're listening to this because you have Hashimoto's, is. Sometimes you can have all this toxicity going on, but technically your blood work looks fine. Mm -hmm. And it takes a catalyst. It takes like the straw that broke the camel's back in order for this Hashimoto's to fully manifest. And sometimes that's an emotional layer. Mm -hmm. So for those of you into yoga or energy work or chakras, um, you actually have a throat chakra. And your throat chakra is tied to an emotional layer. And when the throat chakra becomes compromised, it's actually because there is a time period in your life or an avenue in your life or a person in your life that you did not speak up or speak your truth. And this could be literally even as a kid that, you know, your parents had high expectations on you and they pushed you into all these schools and that you had to be the best and you just like did what you had to do and you just shut your mouth and you, you know, you just didn't speak up up and you did what they, they wanted to make them happy. Yeah. So there are layers that are emotional that have to do with not speaking up in parts of your life that can actually trigger the Hashimoto's. I'm not going to say that's the sole issue, but it could be, but there's, it's, there's, it's like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. So you have this toxicity component and then that just takes it over the edge. 
Wow. Well, now that we know about all of these different issues, what can we do about it? And then also let's go back to the whole iodine thing. When can you take it? When can, when should you not? Yeah. So really the approach when we're dealing with this autoimmunity is it's not about let's supplement with hormone because yes, there are some people that their thyroids are in complete crisis and they need to have that hormone in order to just get them even feeling somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to address the root cause, you're not going to be able to just supplement with hormone and call it a day. Yeah. You're going to need to take into consideration of how are we going to remove the toxicity and how are we going to uh, get the lymph nodes of that surrounding area cleaned up and working. So number one is if you do have tons of fillings in your mouth um, or you're using fluoride toothpaste and you're using a mouthwash with aspartame, we need to start swapping to better products. And if you want to get your fillings addressed, you need to work specifically with a biological dentist who understands how to remove these fillings safely. Um, And there are compounds out there that exist uh, that are porcelain that do not have toxicity in them. Mm -hmm. So it's a consideration for uh, swapping your fillings for something a lot safer. The other thing is, is looking at the health of your sinuses. Um, It's not the most traditional test, but nasal swabs exist. You should be able to get a nasal swab or... um, request it from your physician. I personally use Microbiology DX. I think that they're really, really effective at looking at all different types of bacteria and fungus that can be in the sinuses because mm-hmm. you can have mold in your sinuses. So if you look at that, you're able to know what is the root cause of your sinus issues, which mm-hmm. can be affecting your thyroid and how to start to clean those up and get them working better. And then when it comes to getting the lymph nodes draining and getting some of the toxicity out of the thyroid using uh, a couple of things, actually. There are deodorants that exist. One of them is called Femtox by a company called Biopure. Biopure also makes something called nighttime deodorant. And these are deodorants that you could actually put over lymph nodes. So it was originally designed for women who have had like fibrocystic breasts Mm -hmm. or they had a history of breast cancer and they were trying to detox the lymph nodes of their breast area. So it was intended to be used on the armpits, but we use it on the armpit area. We use it all over the neck, uh, near the collarbone, and it helps to literally extract the toxins through the skin out of the lymph nodes. So that's one avenue you can go topically, uh, and then we will usually pair that with the use of infrared sauna, which heats your lymph nodes to help you clear out toxins. And then secondarily, we'll have people doing uh, ionized hand baths. These ionized hand baths actually are a drainage mechanism for the lymph nodes. You put your hands in because it drains the upper portion of the body more effectively because there are, traditionally you do foot baths. Yeah. So all of these things, it's all about detox and getting the things out of the lymph nodes that are negatively affecting the thyroid. So during this time while you're detoxing, should you be taking the iodine then or should you wait until you're out of that detox phase? You definitely want to give it a few weeks of doing the detox first 
because what you're gonna do is you're gonna get the lymph nodes working better, which is the drainage mechanism. So then you bring the iodine back in to push out whatever is residual in the actual thyroid. And then everything, um, everything is able to drain and clear because the lymph is now healthier. Got it. I'm so happy you brought this up. I feel like there's so much confusion about this and it's not that you have to stop taking iodine, you just have to take it at the right time. It's strategy is really what it comes down to. So I really hope this is helpful for people because iodine is very important and it's a very um, essential nutrient, not just for the thyroid, but for even other parts of the body. And you know, we can easily try to stay away from it, but we might not necessarily stay away from it and see our Hashimoto's resolve. It's more complicated than that. Yeah. And then just on another note with medications, is that, can you touch upon that real quick? Yeah. And with the medications, there's so many different ones out there nowadays, but um, the biggest issue that I see right now is we do very elaborate testing here at IWG. So we're always testing for food allergies and looking to see if people have sensitivities to things. And we often find people are having major issues with gluten and wheat, and they're taking Synthroid for their thyroid, and Synthroid has wheat in it. It has gluten in it. Really? Wow. Yeah. So you're taking something that is potentially creating more of an inflammatory response in your body. Uh, so these are just important things to know is every medication, every pharmaceutical has additives in it. There are even traces of heavy metals in um, a lot of these thyroid medications. So you have to really do your research. You have to be your own advocate nowadays because it's tricky. And especially with medications, I have never seen an, uh, an ingredient list of a medication that didn't have different types of toxic compounds in it. If it's heavy metals, if it's fake sugars, aspartame, saccharin, it has all that stuff. So we have to definitely um, do our research. So if someone's listening and they do have a thyroid problem, they're on Synthroid and they know of a gluten or wheat allergy, what, what should they do? Well, I would say consult with your endocrinologist because there are medications out there that are additive free. One of the ones that I recommend for someone who has a gluten intolerance is um, Tyrosint. Okay. Tyrosint is actually sourced out of Israel. It's extremely clean. Um, it has no additives in it and it is gluten free. Uh, from my understanding at this time, there is no other thyroid medication that is deemed gluten-free outside of Tyrosint. It's T-I-R-O-S-I-N-T-E for those of you that are like, what is she saying? <laughs> <laughs> and then for everyone else listening, if, if you know everything you're saying speaks to them, what are the next steps they can take? Well, um, I would definitely say hop on our website, learn more about us. Uh, we have tons and tons of podcasts about all different types of topics that are equally as mind-blowing as this one. Um, and then set up a strategy call. We are uh, really happy to hop on calls and be able to just understand a little bit more about what you're struggling with and how we can help. So, uh, so that would really be the best way to go. Cool. Thank you so much, Dr. Nicole. This was great. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week.